covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. You are, uh, If you are somebody who listens to the podcast uh, as soon as it drops, generally on Sunday night, you probably didn't. Actually, you didn't because it's currently like 1.30 in the morning as I am uh, recording this, I think. I think it is the latest slash earliest, depending on how you want to look at it, that we have ever recorded one of these uh, podcasts. That's because of Sunday Night Baseball, so obviously a very, very good reason for it, as the eyes of the sports world were upon American Family Field on Sunday night. More on that coming up in just a moment. First off, our uh, housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. If you want to get in contact with me, you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you do listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast, I want to leave a ranking and review and subscribe. That would also be absolutely fantastic. Our featured conversation this week, it's a little bit different. Sunday Night Baseball throws a wrench into everything in terms of the scheduling to do this. So uh, I'll just tell you up front, uh, Andrew Wagner is going to join us. He's been a guest uh, on this podcast and joins me on WTMJ uh, fairly often. It's a it's a conversation that we recorded prior to Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, so just keep that in mind as that's going to be coming up. But we touch on some uh, some big picture issues uh, and just have a, have a conversation. A little bit of just a different feel this week with, the uh, again, the scheduling of Sunday Night Baseball, and that probably doesn't matter all that much to you, but was a little bit more challenging being able to, uh, to get everything put together here. But we are here with the podcast. I, I want to touch on just a couple things before uh, we get to my conversation with Andrew. Um, first off, the the outfield situation is going to get really interesting this week when Lorenzo Cain returns, and I've been trying to kind of put my hand on this. I I don't think Tyrone Taylor is getting sent down. Uh, I I don't see I don't I don't know how you would ever be able to send him down. He has produced way too much to send him down. To me, the, what makes the most sense. Uh, assuming you're going to keep the same number of pitchers and hitters on the roster. And there is an off day on Monday, so I guess if they wanted to send a pitcher down for uh, a little while just to kind of buy some time on some things, they could do that. But if you're going to activate Lorenzo Kane, and that's going to result in a position player then being sent down to AAA or at least removed from the big league roster in some form or fashion, to me it makes sense that it's Keston Hira. Um, he's just not hitting. And it's gotten to a point as Rowdy Telez has come along a little bit. He's given the team some nice at-bats. Uh, you can put Jace Peterson at first. Uh, Peterson had been uh, had mainly been playing second when Colton Wong was out, but can play all over the infield. You can put him at first. He's given you a little bit more, although as he's not getting every day at bats, his bat has, uh, has slowed down a little bit. He did not have a great game uh, on Sunday Night Baseball when he got an opportunity to start at third base and kind of presents the question, especially with some more roster moves looming uh, when Travis Shaw and Daniel Vogelback get back. Uh, it does kind of present the question with with Peterson, does he need to be getting more frequent at-bats for him to be able to contribute the way he was earlier? And if that's the case, do the Brewers really have those at-bats for him? And I would probably argue, no, they don't. They If everybody's healthy, they don't have those at-bats. So that's probably a topic of conversation here for a couple weeks uh, or so away. Uh, but when Lorenzo Cain gets back, you've got five outfielders on the roster. 
In center field, you've got Kane and Bradley. In left field, you've got uh, you've got Yelich. In right field, you've got Garcia, and then you've got Taylor going all over the place. And it's to me, it's gotten to a point. I've talked about this a lot, and I'm not I'm not talking out both sides of my mouth. I'm not going back on anything that I've said previously. We've we've had this discussion a lot when it comes to Jackie Bradley Jr. because JBJ's bat just wasn't doing what you wanted it to do, and for the first half of the season. I talked a lot about, you know, you just got to keep penciling him in the lineup. He's got a track record. His bat, you would think, would probably get going. And to be fair, he is he's doing better now than he was doing earlier in the season, but it's still not to a level that of what you were expecting out of him. And to me, it's different now. As you get to this point of the season, as you get past the All-Star break, it's no longer so much about continuing to pencil these guys in the lineup so that they can eventually get going because they're getting the reps that they need. This is the time where you really want to have your best available team on the field and the best available lineup as often as possible. And with all due respect to all the outfielders, right now Tyrone Taylor is giving you some of the best at-bats, if not the best at-bats, of any outfielder on the roster. So, there, there's been you know people who call and text into uh, my post game show. There's been a fair amount of worry that when Kane gets activated, it's going to be Taylor who's going to be sent down to AAA. If I'm wrong on this, I'll be the first to admit that I'm wrong. But I just I don't see any scenario. Knock on wood, right? I don't see any scenario that Taylor is the guy who's sent down. And I would say. The other side of the equation is the one that's actually more interesting, and that's how you divvy up playing time. Um, because you're going to want to get Kane in there as often as you possibly can, especially when he first gets back to see if his bat can really get going and, and if he can be the Lorenzo Kane of, uh, of of the you know prior years before he opted out uh, last season. Even at the beginning of this year, he had some moments, but overall the numbers weren't uh, where you wanted them to be. Uh, Garcia obviously is having a nice season for the Brewers. Christian Yelich is struggling. He is struggling in a very, very big kind of way. Now he's he's continuing to get on base, but that's really that's his best thing that he's doing for the team right now. He's not he's not providing damage, and he that's something that the Brewers really need. And I think we're far enough along in the season that it's a legit possibility that. Who Christian Yelich kind of is right now is is basically who he's going to be for the rest of the year. I still think that he's got the guy that he was in in eighteen and nineteen available, and can it can it can come back at some point in time. I don't know what's going to lead to that, and maybe I'm completely wrong on that, but I don't think that's just gone. Uh, but it may not arrive at any point this year. So when all of a sudden you've got Kane back, you still have JBJ who you can play in center field a little bit and the other outfield positions for that matter. You've got Garcia, you've got Taylor. Are we going to start seeing a little bit of Tyrone Taylor potentially playing in left field? Or, you know, JBJ in left field and Taylor in right, but then Garcia's not playing. You get what I'm saying. Like, it will, is Yelich going to start getting a few more days off moving forward as a way to keep Taylor in the lineup as much as possible. And it's kind of crazy that we're even having that conversation. And Taylor's still a young guy, and he's on a hot streak right now, and at some point that's going to cool down a little bit, and we're probably not having the conversation if, if he does cool down. But as a one of the, one of the ways that 
you are successful over the course of a 162-game season is when you've got guys who are in a hot streak, you ride that hot streak. You keep them in the lineup. You keep them getting at-bats. You let them lead you to victories. And that's what I'm going to be very interested in. And this is not me. This is not a yell at Christian Yelich session. This is not a, you know, kind of pound him when he's already down, if that makes any sense. Um, and he's, I, I absolutely believe, uh, Craig Council talked about this recently, about his impact on the team even when he's not hitting. And he, he does have a, a positive impact many times. His ability to get on base. His ability still to fear other teams, you know, make other teams scared of him, create fear in those other teams. That still exists. You still see other managers um, pitching a, a certain way around Yelich. He still has an impact in that kind of way, but Tyrone Taylor is having a bigger impact right now. And if it's a scenario where you want to have Kane in there one day, you want to have Garcia in there one day, and you still want to be able to play Taylor, there could be some games moving forward where we don't see Christian Yelich in the lineup, which is which is crazy to say considering uh, who this guy has been. And maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe he's going to just continue to be that everyday left fielder and Taylor's going to see his playing time dip a little bit and he's going to continue to play in center field when they don't play Kane or JBJ. He'll play in right field when they don't play Garcia. Maybe that's how it's going to all play out. But my expectation would be that Yelich might get a, a few more days off now uh, as long as all those guys are going to be on the roster. Also, this is the final podcast before the uh, trading deadline, which is going to be coming up on Friday. It's on Friday this year. Major League Baseball tries to avoid having the trade deadline fall on a Saturday or a Sunday when you have lots of day games. Uh, that way you don't have the uncomfortable situation of players being pulled out in the middle of the game or players not starting because there are trade talks going on. Uh, that's just not something that they love having happen. So they moved it up this year. It's going to be on the 30th instead of the 31st. The expectation would absolutely be that the Brewers are going to make moves. Uh, the one thing that I would be beyond shocked if they don't acquire uh, a relief pitcher or two and guys who can go pitch in the back end of the bullpen because sometimes it feels like the Brewers are a little bit light when it comes to the high leverage relievers and some of the guys who are in high leverage spots you might rather have in not so high leverage spots and just being able to get some and, and when you think about the postseason and the way you win in the postseason and the lack of run scoring, you gotta have those guys available. Starters don't go deep in postseason games. I'm not saying that the Brewers have clinched the National League Central. They haven't. They absolutely haven't. There's a lot of baseball left to be played. There's teams that can still make a run. The Brewers have to keep winning games. But all that being said, the Brewers can take this trade deadline and I think the focus can be more about um augmenting the roster so it has so it's got its best chance to win in the postseason you know so if you're one of these teams that's chasing uh and let's use the nl central for example and i don't the cubs are going to be sellers i don't know what's going to happen with the cardinals i don't know what's going to happen with the reds but let's go to a hypothetical scenario where the reds are buyers well the reds are going to be buyers in a way that they're going to try to do some things that help them in the regular season and help them uh, chase down the Brewers. 
where the and again it's a, it's a very small difference between the two things but i think what the brewers can do is they can make these moves more on the eye for the postseason and making sure that they've got the best possible team and the best possible chance to go on a deeper run in the postseason i think it's going to be i'm fascinated by what happens at first base that's a position right now that uh there, there could potentially be a roster crunch uh, we we've seen. I mean, David Stearns is as good as any. Uh, you know, he's a president of baseball operations, Matt Arnold, general manager. Those two, the Brewers, are as, as an organization, are as good as any organization out there in finding pieces that are not highly respected, that are kind of incremental pieces who they can bring in and they can have a big impact. Now, Willie Adamas, I don't even think fits under that. What what Adamas has done, putting up borderline MVP caliber type of number since joining the Brewers. Uh, that is an incredible pickup. But at, at times there's these moves that are made and you look at them and you go, eh, okay, you bring this guy in. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if he, you know, is, is he even going to still be with this team in a month from now? Or is this, you know, I think I've referred to Rowdy Telez as a stopgap measure when for this time that Daniel Vogelback is out. And that still may end up being true. Because one weekend doesn't make a season. But Telez had a really good weekend, a really good weekend against the White Sox. And the Brewers made the decision to bring him in. And the Brewers took a bullpen piece that had been doing a very nice job for them, who they had just acquired recently. And they went and acquired Telez. And the weird thing about that was, okay, they, they, they want to kind of fill that void of Daniel Vogelback but they gave away a legit piece to get him. So it it felt like it was maybe a little bit more than that. But at the same time, Telez has an option this year. He's got one more option beyond this year. So you were going to have some club control on him. And that's kind of what I kept saying to myself was, okay, he's a stopgap measure, but he's also a guy that there's club control on. So he's going to be able to stay in the organization at least for a couple more years. So this, this trade was as much about filling this period of time when Vogelback was injured as it is about his potential future role with the team. And now, after seeing the weekend against the White Sox, you start to have those questions. Okay, is this is this going to be a guy who's going to have actually more of an impact? Is this a guy who is not going to send, be sent to AAA when, when Vogelback gets back? And who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Um, I almost wish the trade deadline was two weeks away or three weeks away so we could see even more of Telez and he could get more of a track record and you could kind of figure out whether or not that this is somebody who you're going to be able to play at first base every day or if it is somebody who's just, again, that stopgap measure. So, and I mean, we didn't even discuss Travis Shaw is going to be back here uh, in, or, you know, in, in mid-August, early to mid-August when he's eligible to come off the 60-day injury list. He can play first and third. There's going to be a roster crunch at some point in time if the Brewers stay healthy. Now, it's a big if. There's a lot of injuries this year across Major League Baseball. There's no guarantee that anybody, any team is going to stay healthy. And this stuff always kind of you know, tends to work itself out. But if the Brewers stay healthy, there is absolutely going to be a roster crunch as guys continue to come off the injured list. When we're talking over the next two to three weeks, you have... Lorenzo Cain, you have Travis Shaw, and you all have Daniel Vogelback healthy and eligible to come off the injured list. Who goes away? Um, and you get a couple extra roster spots when you get into September, but at the same time, it is um, 
it's not the 40-man roster. It's not the the big-time expanded rosters like it had been in previous years. I think you go up to uh, go up to 28. So you're at 26. You get two more. I think it's 28 uh, without uh, without looking. But yeah, I mean that's it's nice to have a couple extra guys, but it doesn't make just like this absolutely huge difference as well. So these are good things to be talking about. Brewers took two out of three from the White Sox. They're playing good baseball. Even the game that they lose uh, on Sunday night baseball. They they didn't play poorly. They didn't come up with the the big proverbial hit that's been a problem for this team at times. But I, I think that's more of a case that you, you give credit to what the White Sox were able to do. Lance Lynn was really good, and the Brewers scored uh, a ton of runs the first two games. They scored thirteen runs in the first two games. So yeah, that's uh, overall pretty good weekend going into an off day, and now they're going to match up against the uh, Pirates and the Braves this upcoming week. All right, as mentioned, our uh, our interview this week. A little bit different. We did it live with Andrew Wagner at American Family Field prior. So just keep that in mind. This is prior to Sunday Night Baseball uh, with the uh, schedule of things. It was going to be a little bit tough to be able to uh, to have the Brewers play the game on Sunday night, do my postgame show, and then find an interview uh, for uh, to record for uh, the night. So we, uh, we recorded with uh, Andrew prior to the game on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, kept it generic enough that it certainly will hold up. And uh, this is our conversation from uh, earlier on Sunday from American Family Field. We're doing our interview fake live because you're listening to it a lot later, but I'm actually looking at the person I'm talking to as opposed to it being on the phone or Zoom. It is our good friend Andrew Wagner. Hi, Andrew. It's Olympics live. Yes, Olympics, but it's not on Peacock. Was it pl- plausibly live? Is that the term they always use? What I realized when, so we're recording, I've got a handy dandy little digital recorder that we're doing this on. Um, I realized as I was looking for it before coming to the ballpark today, this is the first time that I have used this thing since before the pandemic because everything has been on Zoom. It's been a really long time since this thing has gotten any use. We're getting back to normalcy, Matt. Normalcy. Um, Sunday Night Baseball, by the time people are listening to this, they know what happened in the game. We are recording before Sunday Night Baseball, but this is my first Sunday Night Baseball game uh, because the last time there was one here, I wasn't to Milwaukee yet. It's amazing. Even the year after they got to Game 7 of the NLCS, they still were not chosen for a Sunday Night game. They were going to be on Sunday Night Baseball a couple times in the first month of last season, but obviously that didn't happen. Something cool about the game of the week being here in Milwaukee. Yeah, I don't really know how it feels. The last time they had one here, I also, I mean, I was covering the team, but I was gone that weekend. I'm like, oh, okay, go figure. The last time I can remember the Brewers Sunday night was, I believe it was, I mean, ages ago. And I want to say there was like a Yankees-Brewers game with Hideki Arabu. I, I believe that was part of it. And again, this is ages ago, so my mind could be completely wrong here. But yeah, it, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't have like... You, you know that feeling you get when you're walking into a big game. I don't have that quite yet, but I'm sure it's gonna happen. It just it is cool to know that like everyone in baseball is watching this game tonight. And like I, I tweeted about this earlier, what what blows my mind is in a week where the Milwaukee Bucks win the NBA championship. Not only do the Brewers host Sunday Night Baseball, but they're hosting Sunday Night Baseball on a Sunday when the Sox and Yankees are playing each yeah. other. This is a big day. It is, and I've talked to a lot of Brewers players, new Brewers who have come in and who have talked about 
watching that run the year of the NLCS and how Milwaukee looked like such a desirable place with how much fun the team was having and the fan support like players notice stuff like that when you're watching on TV and you mentioned the Bucks I think I think Milwaukee made themselves look really good with everything going on in the Deer District and the shots on TV and everything it really does feel like this is an amazing sports time for this city right now yeah it really is and you know all the drama and soap opera going on two hours north aside, like it, it's a great sports state. And, and when the teams are winning, and it's it's a party. I'm sure some of that has to do with you know the area's favorite hydration methods and, and libation of choice. I'm sure that definitely plays into it. But I mean, we see it every every day here in the summer when the parking lots are jam packed and you know people are having a good time. And I tell you what, like this series this weekend, you know Milwaukee just by design and just by location and just by having the roof. There's always going to be an element of visiting fans coming to games here. And I know people make big jokes like, oh, Wrigley North. Listen, in a lot of stadiums, these kind of games, those seats would be empty. So you're having people come in. But this is like the most fun of those groups that I had because, you know, Brewers and Cubs, everyone's, you know, pretty liquored up and they're at each other's throats the whole time. But like, it was like a high school game over the last couple days. You know, chants going back and forth, and you know, people are generally getting along, and no one's starting the wave. Like, it, it's been fun here this week, and you could feel like this was an important series. So I, I sent out a tweet on Friday, and it, I, it was a bad job by me because I didn't mean it to be mean spirited, and I think it came across at one when the Brewers took a big lead. There was a lot of people leaving, and I just took some video. And I was like, oh, the White Sox fans are leaving, and it was it was late enough in the game. I wasn't like trying to take a shot at them. Bad job by me. A lot of people took it as that, and I ended up uh, deleting the tweet. But that, all that being said, this this does have a very different feeling than a Cubs series, and it feels like this is a lot more fun for all parties involved. Which, for me, someone who grew up in Milwaukee and, and was coming to County Stadium as a kid, like, back then you hated the White Sox, like, like Brewers fans hate the Cubs now, because, of course, American League rivals, and I mean, those are some, there were some, you know, knuckle-dragging fights out in the old bleachers at County Stadium. I mean, heck, Hawk Harrelson going in the Hall of Fame, he got so ticked off with Phil Garner, you know, they threatened to get into a scrap underneath the old freeway bridge back in the year. But no, this has been really cool, you know, just, it, 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 not even just like the, from the baseball standpoint, but here we are, we've had, we had a sellout last night, it was, I think, 30,000 the night before, like, it finally feels like a little bit of normal again. You know, a packed stadium, a crowd, people around, the smell of the ballpark. Like, after a long 18 months, like, it feels like we're getting back to normal just at the right time. Obviously, the White Sox designated rival in an interleague play is going to be the Cubs. And I'm not, I'm not upset about that. That makes all the sense in the world. But you wish Major League Baseball could maybe find a way to make sure the Brewers and White Sox can play as well. I mean, it's it, at times it's easier to get from Chicago to Milwaukee than it is to get from one part of Chicago to another. There's really not that big of a difference uh, in total time spent going from one spot to the other. There's a lot of things I wish about baseball on the schedule, like you know, getting rid of all day games in you know perpetuity. That would be spectacular. 
But uh, no, I mean, it works out pretty nice. It would be nice to see, especially now that the Sox and Brewers are both kind of good. Like, it would be fun to see this, but, you know, just add that to the wish list of things you wish you could see baseball do. But, you know, it's probably like number 7,000 on a list of 10,000 things that have to get done first. You mentioned these two teams being good. And again, we're, people are listening to this after the series is over, but I don't think it's, it's worth mentioning. First time in baseball history that of the six starting pitchers in a three-game series, five of them were all-stars that year. And then the game you and I are about to watch that, again, people know the result of, Lance Lynn and Brandon Woodruff combining for a 1.99 ERA this season. That is the lowest combined starting pitcher ERA in the history of Sunday Night Baseball. It's incredible. It, 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 what's incredible? These these guys, the Brewers are putting out there are homegrown. I mean, yeah. for the most, I mean, granted they didn't draft Freddie, but they got him young enough where you got to count it anyway. I, I, it's funny because you go back two years ago at this time and you look at just how lost. Uh, Corbin Burns was and what Freddie Peralta was going through. I mean, Woody was doing okay. He was the best of that group back then, but he still had a long way to go. And to see where they are now, I mean, give credit to, to and I, I was actually thinking about this earlier and was going to write about it. You know, one of the guys the Brewers fans wanted David Stearns to go after that winter is Chicago starter today, Lance Lynn. He was one of the free agents that year. And people were kind of angry that he didn't go out and sign him. Now, he ended up signing a short deal with Minnesota, um, so you know could have worked out. But you know, would you really have rather had Lance Lynn and paying him the last two years than than having these guys right now? So it's you know credit to, to Stearns in the front office for having faith in these guys and and being patient and letting them develop into what they are today. Trade deadline's about a week away. Brewers obviously want to augment their roster for a postseason run. You look at relief pitching as an area that maybe could be uh, first base as an area that they've not gotten a ton of production from. Rowdy Telez the last two days notwithstanding. What do you think this team's going to do going into Friday? I mean, if I'm going off Twitter rumors, I heard Miguel Sanchez for Shohei Otani straight up. So, you know, makes total sense. Keston Hira for, you know, Garrett Cole straight up, you know. I, I don't know. I, you know what? I, I've learned not to predict David Stern's moves at the trade deadline because anytime you expect him to do one thing, he does the other. Um, you know, the, their needs, like you said, first base, obviously the biggest need. Bullpen depth, definitely a need. Um, is there going to be an attractive piece out there that's better than the options that they have? You know, Stearns likes to always say, you know, something that's going to significantly move the needle. And I heard Matt Arnold on MLB radio earlier today saying they're going to look into every possible opportunity. But the key word that he used in that was if there's a deal there that's responsible, they're going to make it. Listen, they know what they have. Other teams know what the Brewers have. Other teams are going to be asking for a lot because they knew the Brewers have it and they know the Brewers need it. So, you know, I, I would not be surprised if. Let me backtrack for a second. I think the Brewers already made their biggest deal of the season. Sure. Like they made their deadline deal when they got Willie Adamas. I mean, he is exactly the kind of player that you're hoping to get at the deadline. You know, not just in terms of stats and numbers, but the impact that he's had on this team. I think, what, they're 35 and 15, something like that, since he got here. So I don't know if they can make a, a more impactful deal than that. Um, you know, I've, I'm looking around at baseball and looking at players who are available that fit the Brewers' needs. There's not much. There really isn't. So, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting few days. And keep in mind, they're also expecting to get Low Kane back on, on the road trip. They're expecting Travis Shaw and Daniel Vogelbach to come down from the stretch. 
So, you know, is anything that they can pick up going to be better than what those guys can give you in the time that they're back and not cost you any, you know, very significant capital? They're going to weigh a lot of different options, but I wouldn't be surprised if you just see smaller depth moves. David Stearns, maybe the best thing, the, the most consistent thing he has on his track record when it comes to moves is finding relief pitchers that pitch in high leverage, whether it's Anthony Swarzak, Drew Pomerantz, uh, Joaquim Soria. Uh, there's, there's more. I mean, I, I, those are the names that just jump off the, my uh, – Jordan Lyles twice. Like, the, these are guys that he goes and gets, and they perform in a big way. Sometimes the Brewers organization just needs to get their hands on them, and you spend a little bit of time, and it, it kind of works out after that. All indications are that that very easily could happen again this year. Yeah, I would absolutely expect – you know, I'm not much of a betting guy, but – if I were, I would absolutely put money down on the Brewers going out and getting some bullpen pieces, and, and definitely someone like that. They have proven this year, they, they have stressed pitching depth since the start of the season, and they've done a great job managing their starters, because again, that jump from 60 games to 162 is big. You can manage that with the starters. It's not as easy to do with your bullpen guys, um, because there's going to be times you need them back to back to back. The more options you have back there, the better off you are, especially this year. Uh, we've seen how David Stearns, you know, or excuse me, how Craig Council likes to use his pen. Even though he's got starters who can work longer, if you don't have to, don't bother. If you can go to someone who's you know, going to be lights out in the sixth inning, absolutely. And especially as we go down the stretch, you're going to see more of that. Think how much money the Brewers have made for some of those pitchers. The deal Swarzak signs, the deal Pomerant signs, the deal Lyle signs. These are all guys who come into the Brewers for a short amount of time, and all of a sudden they're getting big-time deals that next offseason. It, it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the Brewers' three starters. You know, The way they've been able to develop pitching here, not just you know, by, by their own guys, but you look at other guys that they brought in. You mentioned Pomerantz, you, brought, you mentioned Lyles, you mentioned Swarzak. Uh, look at Wade Miley. Look what made Wade Miley has done. You know, they, they, they are an attractive place to play now. If you're a pitcher that's coming off, you know, a bad year or two, uh, and, and you're looking for a place that's going to get you back on track, this is the place to go because they've obviously got some sort of apparatus in here that, that works. It works for pitchers. And that's a great thing when you have a limited market size and a limited budget like the Brewers. They're never going to go out and chase down those top-of-the-line free agent pitchers. It's never going to work. And we've seen firsthand that going out and signing those second-tier and sometimes even third-tier starters to free agent deals also never works. I mean, Matt Garza, Jeff Supon, Randy Wall, it just they're bad deals. But if you can get guys like Jolie Shashim, we didn't even mention him, he falls in that category. You get guys in here on, on a, a low-risk, high-reward deal, let your guys work with them for a year or two, they give you good things, they go off and get paid. It's uh, Yeah, and we don't know what goes on inside of that pitching lab, but it's there's something going on. Definitely more than eating their Wheaties, and I would love to get my hands on that. Fair enough. Uh, Andrew, thanks so much for the time. Uh, people can follow you on Twitter at ByAndrewWagner. We'll do this again uh, very, very soon. Sounds good. Good to be back here in person again, Matt. That was Andrew Wagner joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And that's just about going to do it for uh, this edition of the podcast. Thanks so much for being tuned in. I know it sounds a little bit different this week. Uh, just with the scheduling of uh, Sunday Night Baseball, we will get back to normal coming up uh, next week. And 
Yeah, I. This is my. Uh, that was my first Sunday night baseball game since uh, being in Milwaukee and covering the Brewers. It's been a really long time since the Brewers have played on Sunday night baseball, which is. Yeah, even the year after they got to Game 7 of the NLCS, they still weren't scheduled on Sunday Night Baseball the next year. And then last year they were scheduled for a couple uh, games in the uh, first month of the season. I think they were both against the Cubs, if I remember correctly. But then that never happened because of the uh, pandemic the first month of the season. Just simply did not occur. So hopefully... Hopefully there are going to be uh, more Brewers Sunday Night Baseball games moving forward because if you're being chosen for Sunday Night Baseball, that means things are, for the most part, going pretty well. All right, appreciation to uh, Andrew Wagner for uh, joining us. Thank you to you for being tuned in and for waiting a little bit longer. For those of you who do like to listen on Sunday night when the uh, podcast drops, you had to wait a few more uh, hours. So thanks for, uh, thanks for doing that. And we look forward to talking to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.